Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, now as we come and open up Your Word, Lord, I pray that Your Spirit would be upon us. Move our hearts, Lord, to love You and adore You all the more. May we be drawn to obedience to Your Word as we sit under the authority of Your Word this morning. And Lord, as we look at these examples of godly lives, these men who lived their life before You and lived to honor and glorify Your name above every name, Lord, I pray that we would be able to learn from them as they are models for us so that our lives would honor and glorify You. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, looking at verses 25 through 30 this morning. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 25 through 30, we are working our way through the book of Philippians and we are discovering joy because that's what Paul wants us to discover in this book. He wants us to know what is the source of true, lasting, eternal joy, not the little flimsy joy that we find in the temporary things of this world, but everlasting joy. Joy that is there even in times of sorrow and mourning. Joy that, are, that is everlasting. And so that's what we're looking at uh, as we've been going through this. We've been looking at role models, uh, those who are living their lives before Christ in honor of Christ. And today we come to Epaphroditus, a model of selfless service. So if you will, stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that, he may, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. As we are looking at uh, these models 
these role models of which we could look up to. Uh, we've kind of talked about that last couple of Sundays. and uh, tonight, Today is the third Sunday and the final uh, Sunday of these models, these role models that Paul puts before us. Uh, just want to bring up to you uh, the great value of Christian biographies. If, you're, if you haven't ever read Christian biographies, let me, uh, let me suggest that you do. Uh, pick up one and, and read through it because you have those Christian biographies, those, those stories of men and women of, of the faith who have gone before us and who have led extraordinary lives in Christ. Uh, some like uh, Through Gates of Splendor, which is written by Elizabeth Elliot. Uh, concerning the five missionaries that we talked about last Sunday who got killed there in Ecuador, their story, and what happened after the murder of those missionaries on that beach down in Ecuador, uh, the coming of faith of those men, those very men who, who murdered them. And uh, others like John Patton, the great missionary to the Southern Pacific Islands. So uh, pick up a a biography, a Christian biography, and look at the lives of men and women who have lived faithful lives, faithful lives to glorify Christ, and they will inspire you and encourage you, and you will learn from them how you can live a godly life in Christ Jesus. So let me just emphasize the great value of Christian biography as you live out your life in faith. Now we have been looking at this, searching for godly role models, and Paul has been pointing out the value in godly role models, and he's laid before us some, some wonderful role models. Of course, we know that our, our supreme role model is Christ Jesus. He is our perfect role model. He, he lived a life in absolute perfect obedience to the will of God, and so we have him as our perfect role model, but we might, if we just look to Christ, then we might feel a little inadequate. Uh, he is the perfect, and we can't be perfect, so we might begin to make excuses for ourselves. Well, yes, Christ is our role model, but we can't live up to that. We can't be perfect like he was perfect, so let's just not even try. So we could get into that. So we need other role models, Role models who are like us, who are flawed like us, to look to for an example of how to live in obedience to God. And so Paul has laid out for us here in the book of Philippians the three role models. First, he laid out himself, Paul the Apostle. And we saw how Paul the Apostle modeled, was a model of joyful sacrifice and how he lived even even as he is sitting in prison for the gospel, he is, he is rejoicing. He is rejoicing in his suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, but you might look at him, well, he's an apostle, right? He, he's one of the, he's the A-team. Uh, I'm not quite to that level. Well, then he gives us Timothy the preacher, Timothy the preacher that we looked at last week, and Timothy the preacher, he is a model of godly character, and we looked at the life of Timothy. Now, you might even think, Timothy, well, he's a preacher. I'm just a, a layperson. I'm just a, just, 
regular old congregant. How, how can I live up to the preacher? I mean, he, he, had even, he was raised in church, right? You, we looked at how he was taught the scriptures from childhood by his mother and his grandmother and say, well, I, I didn't grow up in church either, so there's a, another, uh, another strike against me. I, I could never live up to that. Well, then Paul gives us today Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, the lay leader. He's just a, a church member. But he is a model of selfless service. A model of selfless service. Uh, just a little extra here about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, the name tells us that, that he didn't grow up in church. He didn't grow up knowing the scriptures. In fact, this is a very pagan name, Epaphroditus. In fact, the, the name there, you, you can kind of pull out of that name, extract from the name Aphroditus, who was a Greek goddess, who was kind of the, the goddess of fortune. And so the, the, word, the name here, Epaphroditus, means one blessed or favored by Aphroditus. And, and so his name is a pagan name. But yet here is this pagan who came to faith in Jesus Christ and now is being used by God to be a great minister of the gospel. So wherever you are in your walk with Christ, Paul says, I've got an example for you. You can look to one who is like you and learn to live a godly life, a God-glorifying life in Christ Jesus. So Epaphroditus, a model of selfless service. And here we find today a sincere, courageous, and selfless servant of Christ, and his church is worthy of honor and admiration. A sincere, courageous, and selfless servant of Christ, and his church is worthy of honor and admiration. This is someone to look up to and model our lives after. So as we get into the text then this morning, uh, we see here one worthy of honor and admiration. And one worthy of honor and admiration is one who is a sincere lover of fellow believers. A sincere lover of fellow believers. Notice here as Paul begins to tell us about Epaphroditus, the very beginning of this, this uh, paragraph here, he begins to have these descriptors of Epaphroditus. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. See there? Paul, he begins to tell of Epaphroditus and before he, he continues on, he has all of these descriptors about who Epaphroditus is. He explains a bit of his character there, of how he, who he is in the Lord. And then he goes on from there and says, For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. And so after he gives these descriptors, now he's going to work out through the rest of the paragraph, and he's going to kind of show us this in uh, the life of Epaphroditus and how he uh, responds to the, him hearing that the, the people back there at the church at Philippi, they had heard bad news about him. And so we see his affection for this church, and we see here he is a sincere lover of fellow believers. 
As we think about that then, first of all that we see as we, we think about a sincere lover, lover of fellow believers, before you can become a lover of fellow believers, you must begin by being a sincere lover for Christ or of Christ. A sincere lover for Christ. There at the first descriptor that Paul gives of Epaphroditus, my brother, my brother. Think about that. This is not just some guy off the street. He's a, this is my brother. Paul affirms right off the bat that Epaphroditus is a believer in Christ. He is one who has come to faith in Christ. We need to understand how important that is. Because you see, as human beings, as a fallen human being with our fallen nature, we cannot truly love someone sincerely love someone in our sinful flesh. And we might can love them by worldly standards. But you see, with all of that, there's always that thread of sin that is lying in there. As we love other people, as we care about them, there's always that thread of sin, that thread of selfishness. Uh, often we love people not because of who they are, not because of the one whose image they bear, being the image bearer of God, but we love them because what they give to us in return. You see that? Even our children... In our fallen condition, as we, we love our children because of sin, we love them because of the love they return to us, the affection that they return to us. And so uh, our natural love is always stained by sin, but as a brother in Christ, as a sister in Christ, as one who has come to faith in Christ, then Christ begins to work in us and to remove all of that sin so that now we are able to love others with the love of Jesus Christ. So Paul begins by showing that he is a lover of Christ. He is a believer in Christ, one who has faith in Christ. Now, I emphasized this last week, and I'll emphasize it again. Of all of your role models who are out there today, never look up to one, find a role model in one who is not a believer in Christ. You see, all of the role models that the world puts before us, they're not worthy of our admiration and our praise. They're not worthy for us to look up to and aspire to be like. Now, I, I'm a lover of music. Uh, I really, I'm a guitar player, and so I like good guitar playing. And, and there's a lot of people out there that I admire their talent. Right? They're good guitarists, and I, I can admire their talent and, and, and appreciate their talent. And, and we can look at other people and appreciate whatever talent they have. We can look at a beautiful art, a beautiful painting, and, and appreciate the art that is there, the creativity that brought that to, to being. But we can appreciate other people's gifts and talents without 
aspiring to be like them. You can look up to singers and, and uh, instrumentalists and, and all of these other people and admire their talent, but if they're not a believer in Christ, they're not worthy to be a role model because their, uh, their definition of success is far different from Christ's definition for success. So whatever role model you choose to look up to, that's number one. Make sure that they are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. So Epaphroditus is a sincere lover of Christ. And second, he is a sincere lover for one another. For one another. He considers others more significant than himself. Look what it says there in that, that verse, verse uh, 26. For, this is why Paul is sending Epaphroditus back to the church at Philippi. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about why Epaphroditus was ill. But something had come about and Epaphroditus was, was sick almost to the point of death, and that news got back to the church at Philippi. And, and Epaphroditus has found out that they found out. And, and so the, the fact that the church, his family back in Philippi, is distressed about him is causing Epaphroditus to be distressed. He, he has concern for them. He doesn't want them to be in distress about him. He loves this church. He, he wants to be with this church. He uh, wants this church to, to be happy and, and rejoice in the Lord, right? And, and so he is distressed. He is a sincere lover of the church, a sincere lover of one another. Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You see, someone worthy to admire and honor is one who has a love for his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Who has a love for them, longs to be with them, longs to join in fellowship with them. And, and when he is away, he or she is away from the church, he's, he's just mourning a bit. He, he wants to be back there. He wants to be with them. He wants to, that fellowship. He longs for that fellowship of believers. How sad it is that so many people, they long to be away from the church you got to question the heart of one who longs to be outside of the church, away from the church, instead of longing to be with his or her family and the faith. One who is worthy to look up to is one who loves the church, loves fellow believers. Christianity is a, a, a relational type, uh, is a relational thing. Right? Christianity is a relational thing. God, Christ came and died on the cross to, to give us a relationship, to renew and restore our relationship with God, but not only with God, but also our relationship with one another. And so for people who, who don't want to be in church, oh, I like Jesus, but I don't like the church, phony baloney. Foolishness. 
You can't do that. You just can't. How can you say you love Christ, but don't love that which He came and died for? Yes, the church has her problems. I have my problems. You have your problems. And yes, it's hard sometimes to live together in perfect harmony. That, that doesn't happen in this life. But I love you. And I want to be with you. And you ought to love one another and long to be with one another because Christ died to reunite us as one. To bring us into relationship. Christianity is relational. It's not reclusive. It's not reclusive. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm an introvert. Right? I'm an introvert. My wife's an extrovert. She likes to be out in the crowd, and, and she's energized by being in the crowd. I, I'm not so much. Right? I'm energized by having my time alone and studying and, and doing the thing that I do by myself. Right? So I, that's energizing me. That doesn't mean that I don't come out and, and get in the crowd, though. It just means I have to go back to retreat every now and again and, and refuel myself, be alone. Mary Beth knows this because... Sometimes she just has to leave and let me be all by myself for a while because that's what I need. But that doesn't mean, you see, I could, I could take that to an extreme because I am an introvert. I could become so, so introverted that I, I, I resort, resort to reclusiveness. And just hide myself away from everybody. Just, just do my own little thing. But God didn't call me to that. Christ didn't call me to that. He called me to be a part of the body. To be in relationship with you. And so, Christianity is a relational thing. We share life together. We, we are built to have that relationship. So, a sincere lover of believers is a sincere lover of Christ and a sincere lover of one another, of the body, of the church. I think about a biography, that a Christian biography that I read uh, this, this past year, one of Robert Murray Machane. Robert Murray Machane was a, a pastor of the, in the Church of, of Scotland from 1835 to 1843. And in 1839, his church sent him and, and two other gentlemen to Palestine to, to check on the, the spirituality, the spiritual condition of the Jewish people in Palestine. Sent them to be missionaries for just a little while. It was kind of like a short-term mission trip, about a year that they were there. And uh, his biographer, the one who wrote the biography, actually was one of the guys that went with him on the trip. And so he observed all of this. And you know, Machane, as much as he enjoyed being out there on the mission field and, and interacting with the people that, and, and taking the gospel to the lost there, he longed to be back home with his church. He longed to be with the flock that God had given him to pastor 
He wanted to be back there with them. Yes, he, he knew he was supposed to be there for a time, but he longed for them. He wanted to be in the congregation of the, of the believers. Let me ask you, when you go on vacation, do you, do, does your heart, he said, if your heart stay here, long to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ, oh, that we would have that longing. One worthy of honor and admiration is a sincere lover of fellow believers. Second, one worthy of honor and admiration is a courageous worker for Christ. Is a courageous worker for Christ. The first thing that we see here as we think about being a courageous worker of, for Christ is that he is a tireless worker for Christ. He is a tireless worker for Christ. Again, let's return to those descriptors there that Paul give us, gives us of Epaphroditus. He is my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. Fellow worker and fellow soldier. Epaphroditus is not just one who sits back and watches things. He, he doesn't just kind of cup his hands and sit there while Paul does all the work. He gets in there. He gets involved. He is a tireless worker. He's not lazy. Christianity is not a lazy faith. It's not just something that you come to and then you, you come to church once a week and you sit and soak. That's not what Christianity is. If that's what you're doing, you're, you're not living up to being the Christian God wants you to be. He calls us to, to work, to get our hands dirty and do the work of the ministry. It's not just for the pastor to do, the family pastor to do, the music minister to do. It's not for them. It's for everybody. Everybody is called to work in the church. No, we're not all called to do the same exact thing. Not everybody is called to preach. Not everybody is called to teach. But everybody has been given a gift to use within the church. We're not to be lazy. We're not just to sit about and wait for everybody else to do everything. We've got to get involved. We've got a ministry to do here. We've got a gospel to proclaim. We've got disciples to be made. We've got thousands of people around us who are dying and going to hell. While so many people want to sit and soak and then go on, go on home and wait for everybody else to do something. Christianity is a working faith. We don't work to get, uh, we don't work for our salvation, but once we are saved, God puts us to work. He says, I'm gearing you up, I'm giving you gifts to get out and do my work. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's what he said. One who worthy of our honor and admiration is a great, courageous worker for Christ, a tireless worker for Christ, not lazy at all, but out there doing the work of the ministry. He also is a sacrificial worker for Christ. This is where we get the courageousness. He's a sacrificial worker for Christ, a courageous worker for Christ. Look at verse 30, the first part of verse 30. 
For, so receive him in the Lord and <clears throat> with all joy and honor such men. For, this is the reason that you receive, this is the reason that you honor him. For, he nearly died for the work of Christ. So he gives that description. He's a fellow worker and a fellow, fellow soldier, one who gets his hands dirty in the work of the ministry. And then he goes on to say, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. So what's going on here? Why did Epaphroditus, why did he get ill? What kind of illness did he, did he have and how did he get that? What kind of illness was it? almost to the point of death. Well, now, I, I had to think about that. And, and you kind of, you'll have some people say that, well, it, it may have been he caught a disease on his way over because a lot of people did. That's, that was the way you, you, the way you traveled. You, you traveled on a, a ship a lot of times. You, you went by the way. You walked wherever you, you, you would need to go. There was lots, plenty of diseases out there to catch on the way. And so a lot of people would say that, well, he must have caught something on the way. He caught some kind of disease, and this disease is what caused him to nearly die. But then again, when you look at that, and he said, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. That doesn't sound like he just caught a disease while he was serving Paul. It sounds like, to me, what it sounds like is that he was a martyr for the faith. In other words, while he was there serving Paul, what do you think Paul had him doing? Do you think Paul had him just sitting there waiting on him hand and foot? No. Paul's greatest interest was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was stuck there under house arrest. Yes, he was grateful that Epaphroditus brought the supplies that he needed to survive day in and day out. He was grateful that Epaphroditus was there to bring him his food because that's how the prisoners got their food, by someone, a family member or a friend, bringing them their food. And that's what Epaphroditus was sent there to do. But I don't think he just, I don't think Paul just wanted him to wait on him. Paul sent him out with the gospel, take the word to the streets. Get it out there. Proclaim Christ to the nations. And what has happened to Paul time after time after time as Paul has proclaimed the gospel in these pagan cities? Well, Paul has been stoned nearly to the point of death. He has been imprisoned and beaten. Now he is imprisoned again. He's had people in Jerusalem seek to kill him and kind of uh, bring a, a conspiracy up to try to murder him. You see, this is what happens to those who are really living out the gospel. Those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you go out here in the world today, yes, even here in these United States of America, although we don't suffer the persecution that so many around the world do today, if we go out here and we really serve in Christ, we will receive a certain portion of persecution. And it's growing more and more and more. 
But you see, I think that's what Epaphroditus had done. He had gone out proclaiming Christ, and he had been martyred. He had come under persecution. Perhaps he was beaten. Perhaps he was stoned. And it was almost to the point that he died. He had no concern for his own life. He was concerned for the lives, lives of the lost men and women out there on the street, in the streets of Rome. He was more concerned that Christ be exalted and glorified than he even live. That's someone worth looking up to. That's someone worth admiring. He sacrificed his time. He sacrificed his energies. He sacrificed everything. Think about that. As the uh, church in Philippi, they sent, <clears throat> they sent Epaphroditus out to serve Paul. Now, this is a man who had his, a living. He was making a living back in Philippi. Doing whatever he did. He had a life back there. Yet he took time out of his life when the church said, we need you to go to Paul and take provisions for Paul and go take care of Paul. He, he was gone. He sacrificed his time. He sacrificed his energies. He sacrificed his life. Served the gospel. John Patton was a missionary who served in the Pacific Islands, South Pacific Islands, from 1857 to uh, 1909 when he died. As he was a promising young man coming up in school, he had his whole life ahead of him. He was a smart guy, very intelligent. He could have been a, a medical doctor if he wanted to be. He had everything. I mean, he could be whatever he wanted to be, but he heard... There was a need for a missionary to go to South, the South Pacific Islands to the heathen cannibals who were living on those islands. And he, at a very young age, surrendered his life to go serve Christ on those islands. Of course, as all missionaries, uh, all missionaries that I've ever talked to uh, experienced, as soon as he surrendered his life to missions, all of his friends and his family began to tell him, that's the most foolish thing you could do. Look at you, you got everything, you got your whole life ahead of you. Why would you want to go to some god-awful place and live in a hut? Patton, as one guy uh, Mr. Dixon told uh, Mr. Patton, John Patton, he said, the cannibals, you will be eaten by the cannibals. And to that, Patton replied, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years and now, now you are advanced in years now and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I, uh, if I can live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make me no difference whether my body is eaten by cannibals or by worms.
Would you so dare to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? See, we serve so many ignorant things. We serve our own foolish passions. We serve our own foolish desires of material things. Live all of our life to, to build up riches in this world. Riches that will be destroyed. Riches which will be left to someone else. And give no time to Christ. Oh, how foolish we can be. But that we would sacrifice everything for that which is eternal. Sacrifice everything for the glory of Christ. Oh, how much better off we would be. Everything that we can live for in this life will be destroyed. It will come to nothing. You like your vehicle? In a few years, it'll be trash. You like your house? Let me tell you, in a few years, it'll be dated, outdated, and it will be falling apart. You like your money? One day, your bank account will be emptied. If you still have it when you die, it's going to go to someone else. But if you live for Christ, and Christ is your treasure, Christ never dies. Christ never fades. He never breaks. He never tears. He never rusts away. He is eternal. If your treasure is in Christ and you live for Christ, you give all of your energies, all of your efforts, all of your time to Christ to glorify Him, you have an eternal treasure. One worthy of honor and admiration is one who is a sincere lover of fellow believers, a courageous worker for Christ, and number three, a selfless servant of the church. A selfless servant of the church. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. And follow me. Take up his cross daily. The cross is not a, a nice little necklace that you put around your neck. That's not the cross that Jesus is talking about. The cross that Jesus is talking about is an implement of death. An implement of suffering. And you see, that's what we have to do if we want to follow Christ. We must surrender our lives to Christ. We must sacrifice ourselves daily to Christ Put these old fleshly desires, nail them to the cross daily. Daily sacrificing ourselves, giving ourselves to Him. One honorable, <clears throat> one worthy of honor and admiration is a selfless servant of, of the church. Number one here, He is a selfless servant to the church. To the church. That is a more of the inward type of ministry that we're looking at there. Notice Epaphroditus. 
Notice that last, those last couple of descriptors that Paul uses there in verse 25. And your messenger, he is my fellow worker and soldier, and he is your, your messenger and minister to my need. Your messenger and minister to my need. So yours, mine. All right? And then at the, at the end there, he's risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And so Epaphroditus was a selfless servant to the church, to the church, to the ministry of the church. In other words, he made himself available for the church, is what, which is what all of us are called to be. We're called to a body of believers. When God called me here, He called me to a body of believers to serve this body of believers. Each and every one of you that are a member of this church, God has called you here to minister to the church. He has equipped you and gifted you in, certain, in ways to minister to the church. I grow in my faith. I grow in my relationship with Christ because of what you do to minister to me. And I pray, I pray that, that you grow in your relationship to Christ as I minister to you. We are called to, be, to minister to the church, to selflessly give ourselves consider others more significant to humble ourselves so that we may selflessly serve we're not looking for our own ambitions our own interests but we're looking to the interests of those to our left those to our right to serve them is a selfless servant to the church and and second he was a selfless servant for the church this is that outward ministry he was a selfless servant for the church. He was their servant to Paul's need. So the, the church in Philippi, they had a need. They needed Epaphroditus to go and minister to Paul. And so he made himself available to the church, to minister to the church. And the church said, this is how we're going to use you. We're going to send you out to Paul. And so now he becomes a, a, a servant for the church, on behalf of the church, in the, instead of the church, to Paul. See, we're not just called to be inwardly focused. We're called to reach out. To go outside these doors. Go make disciples. Go. Don't sit here and try to make disciples and y'all come. Go. Take the gospel. Make disciples. And so as we minister to one another to the church we also have to minister for the church as we go out to the lost in our community just like we're going to be doing this afternoon we're going outside the walls and yes we're still on our property but we're inviting people to come and so we can minister to them to love them that maybe, just maybe, we can start a conversation that will lead to salvation.
one worthy of honor and admiration is a selfless servant of the church. Serving to the church and a servant for the church. Of course, the greatest example of this is Jesus Christ Himself. He served the Father by coming and giving His life on Calvary's cross. Serving us so that we can have life in Him. He became incarnate, laying aside His glory, fully sacrificing Himself so that we might have eternal life in Him. We must become selfless servants. One worthy of honor and admiration is a sincere lover of fellow believers, a courageous worker for Christ, a selfless servant of the church. One worthy. One worthy. A sincere, courageous, and selfless servant of Christ and His church is worthy of honor and admiration friend as you look at your own life today are you one that others can look up to and find those very qualities admire and honor those very qualities and desire to become be an aim for a younger believer in the faith to to aim towards to want to be like Are you being a good role model for the younger believers in the church? And who are you looking up to? Is it one worthy of honor and admiration? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, so many in this world trying to catch our attention. Lord, I pray that we would look to those Christians who display the characteristics worthy of our honor and admiration, that we would look to them, look up to them as mentors and role models, Lord, and and desire to be like them as they are like Christ. Lord, we thank You for Your Word and and these three examples, Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus. As we can look to them and, and in each one of them, Lord, we can see different characteristics of humility and selfless service. But in each one of them, we can can see that it is possible for any of us. We would only surrender our lives to You. Never easy, but it is obtainable.
Oh, Lord, that that would be our goal, to be more like Christ, to, to live for his glory. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, perhaps you're here today and you don't know Christ. You don't know the free grace that He offers, the eternal life that He offers. You need to know more about that. I invite you to come at this time. If you are here today and you've just been convicted and you know you need to surrender your life even more. You're a believer, but you, you know you haven't been living the, the way you ought to live. And I invite you to come. Come. Surrender it all to Christ.